Welcome to Roadside, where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Roadside. Welcome to Roadside. Again. I'm Janica. And I'm her daughter, Abigail, as always. And we are really behind. We are really behind, as we usually are. Over the last couple of months. But you know what? Nobody's complained. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, either nobody's listening or we just have like the really most patient listeners. And we, we must. I like to believe the second one. Um, I, I would too. <laughs> I would like to believe somebody listens to these. I would like to believe that too. I think we consistently have at least 30 because that's how many downloads we seem to get within a week. So that's good. Nice. Thanks, guys. Unless you're just listening to it 30 times yourself. Even if you do. Thank you. I meant you, but okay, yes. Even if one me? of you. Oh, no, it's not me. I don't like listening to my own voice. Oh, really? Okay. No, weirds me out. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Feeling terrible. I'm sorry. I just feel like I'm like, like today I'm just out of it. Yeah, I hate when that happens. I don't know what's going on. I got a headache and I think I definitely need to eat some food. And I definitely need to take a nap. Yeah. Which I will be doing after this. Good. Other than that, I've been working, unpacking, did a lot more decorating around the house. So that's nice. Nice. Very exciting. Very exciting. That's it. That's it. All right. Yeah. That's it. Not a whole lot is new. How about you, Mama? Um, Nothing's jumping out at me. Uh, oh, well, I went to see you. I came to see you. Came to me, yes, in my <laughs> town. Part of the reason that we're late is I was on vacation and I came yep. to see you. And then the boys and I went to Chicago, which was a lot of fun. But we did a lot of walking. Yeah. And still didn't get to see everything that we wanted to see because we kind of crammed it into three days. But yeah, I mean, really you can't two days. Three days. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun. We went to a place called um, the Museum of Ice Cream, which I really loved. You guys got some real cool pictures from that. Yeah, and I did a t- cool TikTok of it. So if if anybody wants yeah, to go see, see that on my TikTok, it was fun. Very pink. I mean, it reminded mm-hmm. me of like the Barbie movie. Yeah, which I'm so excited to go see. Me too. Yes. And then last night I felt like going out, and so I guess I must have put that in the universe because then. My friend Carrie texted me and she's like, hey, do you want to go to a grandson concert with me? And I was like, no idea who grandson is, but sure, why not? All right. How was that? (laughs) It was really fun. It was really fun. I found a few new artists that I like. I like I I love live music anyway. And I was just kind of like, I got to go to, um, oh, what is it called? It's a new one out in Chesterfield in this area. I can't think of what it's called now. The factory. Oh, I heard about that. Um, it's out. In, yeah, it's a concert venue, and it was just really cool. And when I was, I was just kind of like in the zone, just enjoying mm-hmm. the music, the all of the uh, atmosphere. Like it was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you yeah. had fun. Sounds Thanks. like a good time. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad I got out. Yeah. Only other thing that I would like to say before we get to, into this episode: if you want a free trial for our Patreon. If you do. If you do. If you do. If you want to support us for free for seven days, you can go to patreon.com slash roadside. Do it. And you can try our bonus episodes for free. I love them. I love them. 
You can listen to all of them. Stick around and say, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to support yeah, of you. Of course I want to stay. Yeah. Yeah, of course you want to stay. Yeah, I should do that. And then we'll shout you out if you stay. And, you know, if you decide to go up a tier, you can get some fun goodies. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves good stuff. They do. Your hair looks fabulous today, by the oh, way. Thanks. It looks great. Thanks. I've never seen your hair like that curly. Like I've seen it like a little wavy. Yeah. But it's like extra curly today. Yeah, I had tried some um, some TikTok thing and it didn't work. So I just ended up curling it. It looks good. And then I, I didn't really like it because it looked so frizzy, but I put some of my hair oil in it and then I thought it turned out pretty good. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks good. Thanks. You're welcome. So I have a fun one today that I'm super okay. excited about. I'm excited too. Okay, so today we are talking about the Condor Club Topless Bar. <gasps> Scandalous. Oh, can we go? Sure, why not? All right, let's plan a trip right now. <laughs> well, let's let's figure out where it is first, okay? All right. Okay, but I will tell you, I got a lot of... I would say maybe half of this knowledge from a ep- uh, podcast episode that I listened to. And the podcast is called Cabaret Darlings. Cabaret Darlings. All right. It was it was so fun, but they only have 12 episodes and they don't have it. It's not on anymore. Oh, they're done now? Mm-hmm. They only did 12. But it was fun. I hate when that happens. You find a good podcast and then they're they're done. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll probably go back and listen to some of their other some of their other episodes because I do think it yeah. was fun to listen to. Nice. I'll have to you have to send me that and I'll I'll have to listen to it too. Okay, I can do that. So the building is located in San Francisco at 560 Broadway. 560 Broadway. It was originally a small bar in the 1900s and I'm going to have so much fun saying all these names, so hope you like how I say them all. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> It was owned in the 1900s by a man named Mario Puccinelli. All right. All right. Um, he called it Pucci's House of Pisco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. I don't either. But, uh, but the locals called it the Pisco Bar. Okay. Then a man by the name of Gino, T- hold on, Gino Del Prete started working there. And in 1958, he purchased the bar along with another man named Pete Mattioli. Mattioli. I don't know. I feel like they're all very Italian. It sounds like it. Yeah. In May of that year, 1958, they held a contest to decide what they were going to call this new place that they're opening. Okay. And they offered the winner $50, whoever picked, whatever name they picked, that person got $50. All right. Fair. So today that's $525 because, you know, I always have to know how much money it is. Of course. Yeah. But I figure $500 is pretty fun, like, to get to name a place. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Like, first, I, you get, I would put in a suggestion. You get your name on a bar or whatever your, yeah. your name you chose. And then you get $500? Deal. I'd take it. Yeah. Deal. Yep. Unfortunately, they all they got were like ridiculous names, nothing that they really liked. Oh. And so they, they couldn't decide what they wanted to do. So they were talking to some friend of theirs named Paul Jacobocci. Jacobocci. Jacobocci, I think. Okay. Um, and, and Paul said, what do you need a name for? Call it nothing. 
So that's what they did. Nothing. And they just hung an empty picture frame by the door with no name. And they gave Paul the 50 bucks. (laughs) All right. Good for Paul. Yeah. Uh, For about a month, this is basically everybody just called it the no name bar. It was even like in old newspapers as the bar with no name or the no name bar. Interesting. But it only lasted that way for a month because people were very confused, especially like patrons walking along the street. They were like, what is this place? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the post office also had trouble with it. Well, yeah. Right. So they officially named the bar The Condor. The Condor. All right. Yeah. Like the bird? Yes, like the bird. Okay. Yeah. Initially, it was a music club with performers such as Sly Stone and the Righteous Brothers. I mean, that's my favorite band. (laughs) Do you know who the Righteous Brothers are? Come here. Percy's trying to play while we're recording. No. I know. He's just a little guy. Anyways. (laughs) I was admiring. Admiring the cat? Yeah, he's so handsome. Uh, So apparently Gino and his wife, Gloria Padilla, they were like pretty high society. Okay. And going through all these old newspapers on newspapers.com, there were were all these like fun little snippets about them. Like Gino and Gloria were caught arguing in the middle of the street. Okay, (laughs) gossip. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, the society pages were te- right. like tabloids, essentially. Right. And there was even one in there of like, their their child had a birthday party and this is what happened, you know? So, yeah, they were kind of like celebrities about town, I guess. Right, yeah. So, in 1964, Gino hired a woman by the name of Carol Dota as an entertainer to go along with the music. So she was going to be like a go-go dancer basically with all the, like the musical acts that were there. Okay. Carol was born August 29th, 1937 in California. Her father was a coal miner and her parents divorced when she was three. At the age of 14, Carol dropped out of school after eighth grade. Oh, yes. So she dropped out of school at eighth grade. Yes. Yeah, so she dropped out after eighth grade. She was 14 years old, and she started working as a waitress. You gotta do what you gotta do sometimes, man. You do. However, Carol seemed like a pretty smart woman. I mean, she, had, she then ended, go, ended up going and attending the San Francisco Art Institute. Ooh, go Carol. Yeah. Carol, um, so she's got some, she's a little bit of a badass, so I'm just going to tell Perfect. you that right now. Perfect. She continued to work as a waitress and an entertainer around the area. And everybody said she was like hilarious. She could like, yeah, she she could um, improv like really quickly, which makes me think of Matt Reif because he's really good at that. Yeah. (laughs) I do like him. But Carol was also smart in that she stayed away from alcohol. She stayed away from drugs and she ate very healthy, took care of her body. Well, nice. Good for her. Yeah. At the, so at the age of 26, Carol was hired by Gino to be mm-hmm. an entertainer. Her performances were on the top of a Steinway baby grand piano. Oh, it's fancy. This piano cost the club $5,000 at the time, which is almost $50,000 today. I mean, a oh Steinway God. baby grand piano is expensive, but that's like, damn. Damn, yeah. 
they took this piano and gutted it. Like, oh. basically took everything out of it. So it wasn't like a playing piano because it's a prop. Okay. Yeah. They painted it all white. And then they hooked up four steel cables to it and put a hydraulic mechanism mechanism on it so it could be raised up to the ceiling and then lowered down. That is so cool. Yeah. I and it would lower down. You know what? I want to be Carol. I want to perform on this piano. Yeah. So it would start at the ceiling and there was like a hole cut in the top of the ceiling that was basically just enough. There, there was like a crawl space through the attic so that Carol could crawl through the crawl space from her dressing room mm -hmm. and then kind of like kneel down, just like a hole big enough basically for her to kneel down on top of the piano. So then as the piano comes up, she can like stand up and do her dance. Right. That is so cool. Yeah. She would do dances um, like the twist Classic. and the swim Classic. and the Watusi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this podcast that I was listening to, the, the Cabaret Darling... So I guess this lady on there had previously been a dancer in clubs. Mm -hmm. And she was saying like, there were times that you had to dance on top of speakers and just like, whatever. So she said a lot of your movements had to only be upper body because right. you can't move your legs around. Or you're going to fall off. Yeah, exactly. So Carol's were all pretty much like her upper, like her yeah. torso, her arms, you know, whatever she could kind of dance with and not like move all over the piano. Right. There were some nights that she performed up to 12 times a night. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's exhausting. Yeah, I would think so. And I don't know how late this bar was open, but it's like something I read that said, like the shows didn't even start until like eight or nine o'clock at night. And so then she would just do show after show shows, after show. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's going until like two in the morning. Like, I'm assuming she's, yeah, I'm assuming she's probably doing, like, two shows an hour, maybe. Like, maybe they're yeah. a half an hour. Maybe they're even 20 minutes with a break in between or something like that. Right. So, that's a lot of, that's, like, whew, exhausting. And going, like, just one after another after another. Yep. Yep. But, she, I mean, if she's that good, I believe in her. Oh, she was good. Everybody came to see Carol. I believe in Carol. Like, she was, like, the top performer there. On June 19th of... That year that she started there, so this was 1964, there was a promoter named Big Davy Rosenberg. Okay. And he purchased a $25 topless swimsuit and told Carol to wear it that night. Okay. Now, initially, I was like, dude, like, you're just, you're gross. Like, why, why are you doing this? However... From what I've read, because one of the club owners, Pete Ma Ma Mattioli, Pete Mattioli's wife, Benita Mattioli, she actually wrote and published a book about this club in 2018. Oh. And in the book, she explains that this was the, the dancers there all wanted to do topless dancing and were like, it's our body. We can do what we want. Oh, all right. So they and were I was all like, about yeah, I was like, all right. Yeah, go. go you want to do it. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, but apparently, like this swimsuit, it was considered a topless swimsuit, which they called a monokini, which is not what a monokini is today. Okay, <laughs> it was basically all it was was the bottoms. Right, that's it. That's what I was. And that's it, what I was imagining. Yeah, and it was like some like famous designer made it. Like nowadays, a monokini 
if you don't know, is essentially a bikini that has a piece of fabric attaching the bottoms and the top that like kind of run down the stomach or the back or something like that. That was not what it was in 1964. It was just essentially swimsuit bottoms. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So Carol was very outgoing. She loved to entertain. Like I said, people thought she was hilarious, but she led a very private life outside of the club. Uh, And most people didn't even know that she had a really large family. She actually had a kid, like a son and a grandson. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know her in in general. So (laughs) how was I supposed to know that? True. Uh, There was like one lady that said, I never even knew how old she was. Like she was just perpetually 35 because she like, she never knew how old she was. So Carol wore the suit and performed topless. Now there's going to be some disputes about this, but... She is known as becoming the first woman to do so. But, you know, I mean, just like the podcast I was listening to, like Josephine Baker was a dancer long before this entertaining, you know, so I don't know. But Carol is just essentially considered, I guess, the the one that started the revolution, you know. Okay. So within two months. A trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Within two months, many of the clubs along Broadway followed this. And at times, there were as many as 28 topless clubs in the area. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And she basically prompted a topless revolution throughout the United States. Nice. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah. Uh, During this same time, Carol also got silicone injections into her breasts. All right. Now, little boob job. Yeah. Well, kind of. Like they're not like the silicone they are today. It's not like the the um like the pouches filled with silicone. Like these were literally a needle of silicone that was injected into her breast. Okay. And there was no reversal for this because it was just in there. Painting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She paid. $3,000 for this. Wow. Back then. Today, that's about $29,000. That's a lot of money. It is. I mean, the average breast implant procedure today is about $5,000. Now, there's been a lot more advancements in medicine. So obviously things are done a lot different now. But in total, she ended up getting 44 injections of silicone. Oh my God. That's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Like, that's like 22 shots in each boob, basically. Ow. Like, I wouldn't want to get... And apparently, it was very painful. And even having having the silicone in her breast was painful throughout her life. Oh. Yeah. Um, So, she went from a size 34 to a 44. Big. Yeah. Big boobies. You see pictures of her. They're big. All right. Well, well, (laughs) we know how she got them. She was pretty much known for these big boobies. And they were often referred to as twin the twin 44s oh, or yeah or the new twin peaks of San Francisco. Oh my lord. <laughs> oh my lord. But Carol was proud of him and it was her body and that's what she wanted. That's so you know for her. Yeah. Carol was so popular at this club. That the club had a 40-foot-tall neon sign created that had a cartoonish picture of Carol 
in a little black bikini with red blinking lights as her nipples. All right. <laughs> oh, geez. It is a an iconic sign. Like, yeah. just reading a lot of um, things online, people are like, like, oh, I remember that sign, you know. And then there were times throughout the like the next decade or so that they tried to like cover her up more. There was like some women that painted one side of her to look like she was wearing a, a like a dress or something. Like huh. that. All right. Well, I mean, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. What was going with that. <laughs> That's I have okay. no idea. It's okay. My brain is all jumbled right now. It happens. I get it. And it's been a while since we've done this. So yeah. So I feel like I have to get like back into it. Yes. My, same. My podcast persona. <laughs> it's, your podcast persona is not much different, but I no. get it because it's like, if you and I are just sitting there talking to it, talking to each other, it's a different conversation than yeah, doing a, an episode. So. Yes. April 22nd, 1965. Carol was arrested for indecent exposure <gasps> and outraging public decency. Oh my goodness, Carol. <laughs> what did she do? I guess that's it. She just danced. Just yeah, danced. that's it. Just topless dancing. Hey, what the heck? But apparently somebody reported it, you know. Let's let a girl topless dance sometimes. Right. <laughs> Brian's standing right there. As I said that, and he looked and he went... What? <laughs> I mean, if a girl wants to dance topless, let her dance topless. Like, come on. Yeah, if you want to do it, just do it. Right. Um, Gino and Pete, the owners, were also arrested for, quote unquote, keeping a disorderly house. Oh, my goodness. You can be arrested for that? Apparently in 1965, you could. I'd be arrested right away. My house is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it has to do with your <laughs> actual house. Yeah. But they were all acquitted one month later. So my thought is like, somebody just came in and was like, oh, I can't believe this is happening here. And then reported them to the police. And the police were like, dude, okay, just leave them alone. Okay, we got alone. 28 other clubs doing the same damn thing. Just yeah. shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was probably my neighbor who, re who would report them. It probably was. It probably was her. It was probably the same person. You never know. Scandalous. How dare they? A time traveler. Yeah, she might be really well, old. I don't know. She was. She would have been alive in 1965. Oh, well, it's probably her. Granted, she might have been like 12, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> September 3rd, 1969, Carol started dancing bottomless. <gasps> Carol, completely oh. naked. Uh-huh. No, not completely. I did not say completely naked. I said bottomless. Oh, so she'd hide the boobies. No. What'd she do? She's topless. And she's bottomless. And she has go-go boots on. Oh, all right. But it was forbidden to display pubic hair in the public. Oh, how dare she? She shaved her hair and then put a merkin on top. You know what a merkin is? I think so. It's basically a pubic wig. All right. So she shaved her pubic hair and then essentially just put hair over it to look like pubic hair. Hey. But that was totally allowed. Whatever floats your boat, man. But she had to do something to get past the law. Yeah. Got it. Sometimes you just got to squeeze past sometimes. Somehow. That's right. That's right. September 22nd, 1969. I love this. Oh, gosh. During the trial of two other topless dancers who, are, who were arrested for lewd conduct, 
Carol testified and offered to perform her act in front of the courtroom, saying to the saying that let the jury decide if this is lewd. Oh my gosh. That's funny. She's an icon for that. Oh, she is an icon. She is. I've never so, heard of this lady, but she is an icon. You'll have to look her up when we're, we're done. Carol Dota. I like, will. I guarantee people listening will know who she is. Okay. So the district attorney was like, uh, no, thank you. You do not need to perform your act in front of the courtroom. That's not going to happen. And then the judge was like, eh. Let her perform. Let her do it. Let her do it. However, the judge didn't think it was a good idea to do this in the courtroom. So he moved the entire courtroom and the jury to a nightclub. So they could see her dance. So they could see Carol perform that show. That's hilarious. So Carol got up and performed the show at this nightclub in front of a 10-man, two-woman jury. All right. Who, from all accounts that I could read, were trying to stifle their smiles, like, during this whole thing. Mm -hmm. They're like, I have to be serious. Carol not only performed the show in the nightclub, but playing behind her was a pornographic film. Oh. And the film was called Guru You. Okay. And it was supposed to be a spoof of pornos. Right. So it's like, I'm picturing in my head, like, not another teen movie. Oh, <laughs> or yeah. like Or, like, all the scary movies. Like, and she was saying, like, porno- pornographic films are supposed to be funny. It's like making fun of sex because sex has funny times. And Okay. I just thought it was so funny. That is funny. Iconic that you're moving to a nightclub to perform your dance. Yeah. With an entire jury. <laughs> yeah. And normally in the courtroom, there might be two to three press people in attendance, like to just document this. There were 25 of them in the nightclub. I bet there was. I bet everybody wanted to be there for that. Yes. Now the judge did order that no pictures could be taken. Okay. But it was okay to smoke. I mean. It's like, okay. I'm sure it would have been fine for them to smoke in the courtroom. It probably was, honestly, in 1965 or 69, 1969. I'm sure because even when I was a kid, my mom could smoke at her job. Yeah. (laughs) And that was like in the 80s, 90s. Yeah, I'm sure they would have been fine. And she she worked in a clothing store. Like she could go back in the office and smoke, you know, you didn't even have to leave the building. Right. I mean, you used to be able to smoke on airplanes. Oh, I didn't know I can't imagine that. Yeah, I would hate that. Oh, yeah. You could smoke on airplanes. Yeah. No, thanks. No. Wouldn't want it. In 1972, California put in a new law that made it illegal to dance, made it illegal to be in... (sighs) California put a new law into place that made it illegal to be nude in a place that served alcohol. Oh. So, Carol... To just topless dancing. So she got away with a good three years of yeah, almost completely yeah, nude. Yeah, besides yeah. some go-go boots and a merkin. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's funny. In 1974, Pete sold his part of the club and retired with his wife to open a ranch. 
And to my knowledge, they are still alive. And like I said, his wife wrote a book in 2018 if you, about the club. So if you want to go read that, I recommend it. Her name is Benita. Benita. Uh, Benita Mattioli. November 23rd, 1983. So this was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So the day right before Thanksgiving. In the very early morning hours, Jimmy the Beard Ferrozo. The Beard. <laughs> the Beard. Who was 40 years old. And he was described as a bulky man. There was like even rumors that he had played for the NFL, but there was like n- no proof of that. Like his name yeah. was never listed on any rosters or anything. Oh, th- th- yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. But I guess people were just like, yeah, he played for the NFL, you know, because mm-hmm. he just yeah. like he was like a big, bulky, like linebacker type of guy, yeah. you know. Uh, he was said, though, to be like a teddy bear, like sweet guy. Um, but he was the assistant manager of the Condor. Okay. So this morning, I guess, because they had been out partying, him and his girlfriend were out partying, and he decided, hey, let's go into the club after hours. Like, the club shut down. Let's go in here. So him and his girlfriend of two weeks, they'd only been dating two weeks, Teresa Hill, who was 23, decided they wanted to go in here and just have a little bit of intimate time. Oh. You know, a little adult fun. Of course. And thought it would be fun to do that on top of the piano that Carol performed on. Did they break it? No. While they were having sex, somehow the mechanism got switched on. (gasps) And the piano started rising to the ceiling. And it ended up crushing Jimmy between the piano and the ceiling. Oh, my God. And he died. Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine dying like that? No. There's speculation whether it was actually from asphyxiation or he had a heart attack, but I did not, I could not find the final. Teresa was still partially under him, but he was so, such a big man and she was small enough that there was just enough of a gap between the ceiling and her body that she survived. Wow. But nobody found her for like six hours. Oh, God. Because then like the guy, like the cleaning crew or something came in at like seven in the morning, heard her screaming. Mm -hmm. And by the time they could even get her down, like the firemen had to be called to get her down. And by the time they could even get her down, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. So she had been up there for hours. Like traumatizing. So traumatizing yes i cannot imagine like not only did she just start dating this guy they're out for a fun night he dies in a horrific way dies as they're doing it and she is stuck there and she's trapped underneath him for six hours yes yeah it's terrifying terrifying now he was only partially on her thank god because they probably both would have been crushed right like Ugh. When I re- yeah. saw that, I was like, oh my God, that's awful. That's terrible. In 1985, Carol was asked to take a pay cut. Ooh. So she had now been performing for 21 years. And she's an icon? Yes, icon. Big honking sign out there with her image on it. Mm-hmm. She's basically made the condor what it is. Right. And they asked her to take a pay cut. No. So in response, 
Carol wrote a note and stuck it on her dressing room door and resigned. Nice. Good for her. Just walked out. <laughs> yep. Good for her. She was like, okay, I'm done. She's like, fuck that shit. Yep. Yeah. As she should have, you know? <laughs> she just, she said she wasn't ever really paid enough and she left for good. So Carol went on to open her own lingerie store Ooh. called Champagne and Lace Boutique. That sounds familiar. It's a, um, it's not open any longer, I don't think, but it was in San Francisco. I had these bright pink doors, a big pink sign that said Carol Dota's Champagne and Lace Boutique. Nice. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah. She also continued to be a performer, but now with her clothes on, (laughs) she would do comedy. She was in like, appeared in a couple films in small roles. Yeah. And she had a band called the Lucky Stiffs. And she was in like in a magazine had said like she never really considered herself a stripper, but always an entertainer. Right. Funnily enough, just two years later on New Year's Eve, 1987, the Condor had a grand finale and closed its doors. All right. No one wants to go there. if Carol's not there. That's right. Can't see Carol. Don't want to be there. Um, So it sat abandoned for two and a half years. Okay. And then in 1990, a man by the name of Walter Pastor bought the club. He put $200,000 of renovations into it. Wow. Which when I was, you know, like I normally look up all the the um, inflation mm-hmm. rates. Like, oh, I was like, oh, 1990 wasn't that long ago. So it's, you know, and I was like, oh, shit, 1990 was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a little bit. I still like to think like, oh, I just graduated high school. No, my son's going to graduate next year. So. Fun times. Yeah, yeah. So that was about almost um, a half a million dollars today that he put into the renovations. That's a lot. It is a lot. Uh, as part of the renovations, he took the neon sign down of so. Carol, but he put it inside the building. Now, I don't know how because that was a 40-foot sign. Yeah. But it did say like at the top of the sign it had words and then at the bottom of the sign. So maybe... I'm, I never, I could not find pictures of it. Okay. I'm thinking maybe he just cut those off and just put the Carol part in there. <clears throat> because he also had like memorabilia inside of it that was all about Carol. So like pictures oh, okay. of her and all of this. So he was like honoring her inside of. Nice. And he ended up turning this like into a cafe and dance spot and called it the Condor Bistro. So it was more like a, not a dance, you know, not a club strip club anymore yeah one of the things of memorabilia which i found interesting was a letter that ronald reagan had written to carol oh at the time he was a governor though so not the president but in the letter he thanked carol for a tie that she had sent him all right so i guess she sent him a tie i don't know okay (laughs) i was like all right cool in 2000 it closed again, but it soon reopened as a sports bar. And then in 2005, it changed to the Andrew Yeager's House of Seafood and Jazz. All right. Which I guess there is one of those in New Orleans because it said it was a branch of the original one in New Orleans. Okay. That didn't last long, though. Uh, it only lasted about two years. In 2007, Joseph Karuba. Karuba. <laughs> if, 
So he was a former donut shop owner. And, and by donut shop, I mean like he owned nine donut shops and had like some other like national business stuff. Like he was a very like rich, prominent businessman. Okay. So it's not like he was like just owned one man. little tiny right. donut shop somewhere. Right. Um, <clears throat> he was asked to come on board to BSC Management, which managed multiple entertainment venues in the area. And they just wanted him to essentially come on in as a consultant for like six months because they knew that he was a very good businessman and then their business was kind of struggling. But six months turned into he still owns, he's still part of this. <laughs> like okay. From 2007 <laughs> to 2023, this so, is still what he does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he ended up saying, like, I just found this to be more up my alley than, like, bakery and baked goods. So, all right. So, all right. Um, but, yeah, and there's multiple different, like I said, multiple entertainment venues that they have. It's not just the Condor. Okay. But they turned it back to the Condor Club officially. I was wondering. It's, like, now, like, they have a tagline now that says San Francisco's Original Gentleman's Club. Okay. But from what I understand, like, it's essentially a sports bar. And you walk okay. in, and it looks like any other sports bar. Nobody would know, like, nothing. But there's a second door that goes into the strip club. But the strip club is only open, like, after hours, essentially. Kind of like, right. you know, 9 o'clock at night till 2 in the morning or something yeah. like that. So you can still go, but nice. it's just kind of split into two now. Yeah. Uh, Joseph said he struggled to keep it open during the pandemic. Uh, he ended up getting that, that PPP loan forgiveness that's basically got them through, and they are still open today. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So just a couple more little things. Um, in November 9th of 2015, Carol Doda died from complications related to kidney failure. Okay. So she lived a pretty long, good life. Um, in 2002, the Condor was added to the San Francisco Legacy Business Registry as an, an historic business. Oh, cool. And in November of 2022, local artist Natalie Gabriel was commissioned to paint a mural of Carol outside the Bodega Wine Bar oh. to honor an iconic San Franciscan, Ciscoian, I don't know how to say that. But that was revealed in January of this year, and it is really cool looking. Like go you, look you're up. gonna have to, you're gonna have to go look up the mural. We're gonna we'll post it on our socials as for everybody to see. But yeah. it's really it's a really cool painting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look at. That. She did a great job with it. Yeah. Writing. That was a good one. Thanks. That was really interesting. Yeah, I had fun doing that one. I love Carol. She's my new idol. Carol's a bad bitch, man. She's yeah. She did what she wanted to. She took care of herself. Like she, I mean, she just sounded like she was smart and funny and just had a blast with life, but yeah. in a smart way, you know? Smart way. Yeah. Good for yeah. her. Yes. All right. If you would like to go to patreon.com slash roadside again and get a free trial, you can do so. You can also follow us on our social. We are on social media. We are. A couple of them, actually. A couple of them. TikTok at Roadside Podcast at Roadside Podcast and Instagram at Roadside, Roadside Pod. Pod. See, we're memorizing these, or I'm staring at them, and you're just memorizing them. <laughs> yeah, I'm just that good. What can okay. I say? Facebook. Facebook. 
I don't know that one. Roadside Podcast. Roadside podcast. <laughs> YouTube. Roadside Pod. Roadside pod. Or email us at roadsidepod at gmail.com. Do that. Yes. Please. Do all of that. All of it. And then you can also go to our website to purchase merch, to see our socials, to see our faces. You can find literally anything there. Anything Just you need. The website. Anything there will be there for you. Is at roadsidepodcast.com. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. So thank all you right. for listening. We love you all. We appreciate listening. your support. We love everybody. And yeah. we'll try to get back on track here for you. Finding the thrill and the mysterious as well. Do that. Yeah, go do that. Yeah. Go to the condor and tell us what it was like. I want to know. Please. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Love you all. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Feel better, Abigail. Thank you.